The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The Gospel of the Lord. I suppose we have all spent time occasionally with cheap people, right? (laughs) Yes. I I know some Hispanics who once showed me a a way they have of, of seeing humor in the company of stingy people. For example, if they're, if they're out at a restaurant having dinner and one person won't split the check or one person won't help out with a tip, the other people rub their elbows. And this means your arm is too sore to go for your wallet. <laughs> and they have another expression like having alligator arms, like your, your arm's too short to reach. <laughs> Seriously, today's gospel comes from the second chapter of John. And it follows, the context, it follows right after the account of the wedding feast of Cana. It's a very, very different readings. And when we back up and we look at these, pet, at these readings back to back, we, we experience a really stark contrast between the generous, radically generous mercy of God and human nature, our tendency to stinginess and greed. Because misers and thieves have more in common than we might, might want to admit. You know, the, the lust for saving, the lust for hanging on, and the lust for acquiring, the lust for being dishonest. In Cana, you know, the first part of second chapter of John, in Cana, a couple is giving themselves generously to each other in marriage. Then we have, of course, the Blessed Mother, her compassion, going out to the host families and her noticing that they have no more wine and she's worried about them being embarrassed. Finally, most importantly, we have Jesus performing his first public miracle, generously changing water into wine. And remember, he doesn't just change enough water into enough wine to get them through the rest of the, of the feast, no, but a, a, an abundance of wine of the highest quality. In today's gospel, as the Passover draws near, temple officials force pilgrims to pay a temple tax. And this tax was, it was standard. Because in the ancient Middle East, all currency was local. So even if you were coming from just 30 miles away, you were coming from like a foreign area. 
and all currencies local, so the pilgrims had to exchange their foreign money for Jerusalem money. And it was during this exchange that the money changers were cheating the pilgrims. Because back then, there was, uh, then like now, I imagine, uh, discrimination or uh, attitudes against people from small towns. People in, in, in big cities would, would see them as yokels, and, well, we, we, can, we can put this over on them. They're not used to changing money, and, and that was going on. Also, you know, everyone wanted to participate in the Passover liturgy, wanted to have something to sacrifice. And, but, but the poor, I mean, they wanted to do this too, poor pilgrims, but they purchased doves because they were cheaper, so they could save money and still be part of the celebration. They too are being cheated on the exchange of money and the purchase of these less expensive doves. This makes Jesus angry. I mean, all of it does. But it helps explain why our Lord tells these people selling doves, take these out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Now in Cana, everyone focuses on the other. Blessed mothers paying attention to the families. Jesus, of course, pays attention to everybody and the gift of his first, of his first miracle. And of course, Jesus elevates the importance of marriage in this very public way. In the temple, the officials don't see the pilgrims really as people, but merely as sources of profit, people to be taken advantage of. In Cana, gifts are given and received without counting the cost. In the temple, the powerful take from, from the weak. You know, my good people, we can't give to others what we don't first receive from God. The temple officials have allowed their Jewish faith to become more like a business transaction than anything. Again, they don't see the pilgrims as human beings, nor do they see the temple as the house of God. For ourselves, as American Catholics, a great danger in a wealthy country like ours is that church life, the church here, may begin to resemble the world of business too much, a world of revenue and budgets only, or primarily. I mean, St. Paul proclaims Christ crucified, but do we? Or do we especially we priests I mean, and people running parishes, do we maybe spend more time attending meetings and talking about pastoral plans and programs than about Christ crucified? Now, the wonderful thing about our faith is we're not stuck in an either-or situation. You know, we must be both and first the people of God and the people of prayer, but also good stewards of our parish resources, diocesan resources, and to be more literal, we get into trouble if we drift to one example, or to one extreme, or, or the other extreme. A couple of practical examples. I mean, there are different kinds of stinginess and greed, but I know a priest who was sent to a new parish. And uh, the, I mean, there are always challenges when you show up at a new assignment. But this new pastor, he had to rent a house for his rectory. You know why? They had a rectory, but it was unlivable. It was... He was pretty sure the building would need to be condemned. If he wanted to live there, it would have needed like $200,000 in renovation. It was just like a disaster. Why? Well, the parish had funds, but they just spent... These well-intentioned people, they spent all their money on the church building and let everything else go. And, and, and my priest friend, he was frustrated. He was like, why did you do this? You know, what's going on? And the reason they gave was the salvation of souls is more important than buildings as if you have to do just one or the other, you know, and not both. And then another practical example, kind of the other end of the spectrum, 
a parish with a church building that was neglected, a lot of things that needed to be done, and the school was neglected, but the rectory was really lavish and a little bit too much. So on a practical level, you know, people can go to one extreme or the other. But there are, there are other kinds of stinginess um, and generosity, and I appreciate very much the invitation to the, the vigil 40 Days for Life, and I encourage you to take up that challenge and be generous with your time and go there and pray for the end to abortion and for women who are tempted to make the wrong decision. And I want to tell you, um, the people at Birth Choice were generous enough to invite me to be their chaplain, and I was recently elected to their board, so I'm very, um, very happy about that. And th this past Wednesday, I offered Mass for the first time in recent years on, on Wednesday morning, and for as long as I'm in town and able, uh, I'll be offering Mass every Wednesday morning. And it, it's, it's quite this quite the situation. It's, it's in an office room, or it's an office little conference room, that they've turned, they, they have an altar for me and everything I need for Mass, but there's a back window looking right out at Drake Circle. So I'm, we're gonna be, I'm gonna be offering Mass. People will be out there praying, you know, devotionally and in an improvised way, but then the Mass every Wednesday for and into abortion for people to, to not go over there, but to come to birth choice and generously open their hearts to, to, to the truth. Because the people there were telling me that you know, people will come to birth choice knowing that sonograms are free, thinking they have their minds made up. But then they're, they're shown the whole, literally the whole picture. And there's one lady they were telling me that over at, birth, over at Planned Parenthood, they said, oh, no, you're only carrying one. She was actually carrying twins, and they lied to her. And the fact that they lied to her helped her question, like, everything she heard over at Drake Circle. And so, yeah, people, people can handle the truth, and we can't be stingy with it or, or, or timid, and you're not. And our, our church has, as, as the Pope has mentioned, um, you know, we have the truth. We, we, we just have to trust the grace of God and be generous with our time and our hearts and our talents. Whether it's practical things like running a parish or more purely spiritual work like, like the Right to Life movement, we, we must do it and we can do it. Whether it's, again, practical or spiritual things purely, God is in everything. God is in everything good. Most importantly, he's in our worship, in the sacrifice of the Mass, but he's also in... In, in outreach, like pro-life work, other evangelization, and, and he, he is in practical things like, like upkeep and building projects. You know, you have a unique campus. I remember coming here and I was like, where does it begin and where does it end? <laughs> All these houses. And I figured out who owns what. And I'm convinced that your devotion to St. Joseph, patron saint of workers, has helped your parish balance priorities and to do everything well and to do it all for the greater glory of God. Jesus drives the dishonest business people out of the temple. And if, if, we, if, we, if we ask him to, Jesus will drive temptations out of our hearts. He'll drive the evil one away. He'll drive the demons away. And this is what Lent is for, that this kind of jarring, austere time to slow down and ask the Lord to get in there and drive out whatever needs to be driven out. In our first reading, the Lord tells the Jews... And he tells us now, you shall not have other gods beside me. If we believe that God is in all things, and if we look for him there, we won't have room in our hearts for false gods, because Jesus will, will fill us up. So, my good people, give Jesus your heart. 
Give him all of it. I know you're generous. Don't be tempted to be stingy. And if you are tempted, come back to the Lord. Be generous of heart. Generous the way Jesus is. Amen. Confident in the Father's tender care for us, we offer now the sacrifice of our prayers. For those preparing to enter the church at Easter, who today receive the first scrutiny, that they will preserve, they will persevere in the faith of the church and in living a holy life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For an end to all terrorism and religious persecution, and that God's peace will reign throughout the world, we pray to the Lord. Lord, That the life of every human person, from conception to natural death, will be revered and protected in our laws, we pray to the Lord. For an increase of vocations to the priesthood and consecrated life, particularly for our parish and diocese, we pray to the Lord. Let us pray that we may experience the sacrament of reconciliation with renewed depth to taste the infinite mercy of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Today's Mass is being offered for the people of the parish. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For those who are sick or infirmed and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. Let the perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. Mercy of God. Also for the Lenten intentions of Pope Francis and our Bishop Sarama, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Most merciful Father, you have proven your love for us through Christ who died for us. Let us always remain faithful to that love through Christ our Lord. Amen.